this is The Angry GM, and this is the supplemental Q&A session following my proofread aloud of the latest article, How to Manage Combat Like a Mother... No, Like a True Game Master. Yeah, we're not dolphins anymore. Though, uh, I don't know if anybody noticed, but the whole How to Manage Combat Like a a Dolphin is actually secretly the declared, described, the declared, determined, described cycle. And I'm now just telling you, apply that cycle to everything, Um, including combat, obviously. Uh, So if you were already running combat like a dolphin, you kind of know how to run games properly. But enough about that. Let's answer some questions. And the first question comes from Athetos, the villain of Axiom Verge. How much should we, or should we not, change the advice given for combat pacing and information when it comes to brand new players versus veteran players. You should not change my advice for combat pacing when you're running games for anybody. My advice is top-notch, and you should be running your best game for everybody. Um, That said, you can give brand new players a little bit more leeway if it takes them extra time to choose their actions. But that's about the only difference. Otherwise, if you teach new players that combat is run um, in awesome ways, which I'm telling you how to do, they will enjoy combat and enjoy the game. Chris Ayor, should we let players declare actions for their pets and summons or decide that ourselves like normal NPCs? Honestly, I almost had a sidebar about this, but I realized I actually don't give a shit. Okay, do whatever works. It doesn't matter who declares what. If, it, if it's a player declaring the actions for their pets and summons, resolve it like you would, re, you know, with the declare, determine, describe thing, right? If you're doing it, then handle it like NPC turns. Either way is fine. It's all good. Keep up the pace and it shouldn't matter. That said, if you have players that absolutely can't be trusted to run other creatures in battle, then just take over all of them and say, guys, I'm running all the NPCs for now. Um, so that's it. Mirrodin, what difficulty do you foresee in asking everyone's action declaration at the start of the turn before following the turn order? I suppose the GM should not declare for the, the NPCs, monsters, or not. Okay. Uh, one thing at a time here. What difficulty do you foresee in asking everyone's action declaration at the start of the turn before following the turn order? Mainly the problem is um, in modern games like D&D where you can take lots of actions in a turn, like you get multiple attacks or you get reactions and, or bonus actions or you can change how actions work or whatever on the fly, the problem is you cannot be locked into a whole sequence of actions. Okay, so in D&D 5e, for instance, if you have multiple attacks because you're a higher, you know, even a reasonably okay level fighter, um, if that first attack drops a foe, the rules allow you to then move and attack a second foe. Whereas, you know, if your attack doesn't drop a foe, you know, you still have the option of moving away, taking an opportunity attack and attacking based on how much damage you did and stuff like that. So the rules are written to allow players to make a certain number of decisions about the the rest of the actions on their turn based on the previous action. That is just one example. Please don't explain to me why in that 
one particular example, you can get around it by doing X, because then I can find another example and another example. Dungeons & Dragons and many modern games are written so that players take multiple actions in one turn, and they are expected to be able to adjust their actions on the fly based on the results of each action, plus any reactions and interrupts that come at them. So the difficulty is almost insurmountable. I would not try to do it if I were running a modern game, um, which is what I said when I basically said, true game masters wish that the designers of these role-playing games would cut it out with all this. Why don't you have seven actions in a turn? And you, you, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. I suppose GM's Mirrodin continu continues, I suppose GM's should not should also declare for the NPCs or monsters or not. No, you don't declare actions for NPCs. There's no point in declaring actions for NPCs. The point of declaring an action is for the player to describe, to tell the game master what they intend to do. An action declaration is not needed because you, the game master, are sharing a brain with you, the person running the NPC. So declaring the action is this is wasted breath. You don't need to speak aloud. Though, now that I read that, I realize that in the context of your previous question, you're asking, should the, should the, if you're using a situation where the players have to declare all their actions, should the GM also declare actions at the start of the round so the players know what it is, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that I get. Um, uh, interestingly, I've been reading AD&D 2nd Edition for reasons of, well, mainly uh, masochistic reasons of I'm going to run it. Um, yeah. No, which it's not like I, I ran it for like nine years or something way back in the day and loved it. But, you know, I've avoided going back to it for many years. But anyway, so one of the things that happened in um, in that edition and also in uh, Menser Basic and in other editions was there was, you know, everybody declared their action at the start of the round and everybody only got one action. OK, that was it. You did one thing in a turn. Some uh, fighters could some or. You know, yeah, combatants could sometimes make multiple attacks with certain weapons, but that was the beginning and the end of what you could do in a turn. And you were kind of locked, like you were locked in place, really. So, you know, if you downed a monster, those those remaining attacks were kind of lost. But anyway, that aside, the point is the GM would decide internally in their head what the monsters were going to do, and then on the honor system, not deviate from that. Then ask all the players, what are all the player, you know, what are all your characters going to do? Take all the action declarations. Then initiative would be rolled to determine who resolved what actions first, and then they would be resolved. Um, and honestly, I think that was a good process. Combat, whoosh. Do you have any recommendation for a tabletop role-playing game that works well with the true game master process for running combat? Alternatively, I'd kind of like to hear which versions of D&D are better or worse for this. Honestly, every edition of D&D does some good things for running combat, um, but pretty much most games out there really, are like, Jesus. Here's the problem. Anything published before we suddenly discovered, you know, like game design elegance in 2000 is terrible to run. It just is. I don't care what the OSR folks say. Everything published before D&D 3.5 was shit game design. Mechanically speaking, it was ab absolute, utter, incomprehensible crap. Everything published after 2000 is modern player-focused schlock. 
It's just garbage that is increasingly difficult to run properly. So the correct answer is there is no good game out there to run. Every game you run is gonna make, is gonna fight you somewhere and you just have to choose which fights you think you're best at winning. Athetos goes on to ask, if you have new players, should you change the information you narrate so you provide them a few options to choose from? E.g., I don't care about the E.g., no. No, no. Why? Are new players stupider than the other ones? Like, or, you know, do you want to train new players to think the game is a multiple choice test where they get to choose? If you want to fight the goblin, turn to page 22. If you want to talk to the goblin, turn to page 27. No. Treat new players the same way you treat all players. That way, new players will be good players. The end. Not reading the example. Moving on. Jinbei Fang. Because each PC turn in D&D ends up consisting of several cycles of action declaration, I have trouble knowing when to shift to the next person in the turn order. I end up asking, is there anything else you do? When I know they still have attacks, movement, or bonus actions left. Is there a better way? Yes, run a better game. D&D sucks the end. But really, no. What can you do? I mean, you're doing the best you can. You're tracking the action economy. You know what players are capable of doing. Um, the, you know, so the only thing you have left, honestly, you can make it more of a, like, make it less of an open-ended question. You know, it's like if they've done, if they've taken their actions, but haven't moved yet, um, if they've taken their actions and haven't moved yet, you could say, okay, that's your action done. Do you move or do you stay where you are? Okay. And just like, and yo, I'm, I'm happy here. Okay, fine. Moving on. You know, if you haven't taken an action yet, say, okay, you move. You know, and, um, and that's, you know, okay. Or, you know what? Here's the thing. You can just pause for a second and be like, okay, you have moved and you are here now. And then just move on to the next player and players will learn to just speak up. It's, it's just terrible. Okay, Combat Woosh is typing and the answer is Coprolith Emission reminds with 5th edition. A coprolith is a hardened clump of feces, and an emission is a smell or gas that comes off of something. Hence, I found a term that rhymes with fifth edition that also conveys the opinion I was trying to convey in that actual paragraph. Thank you very much. Now Combat Woosh is sad because that's not the question he was going to ask, but I was following the chat chat and figured that was the question that was coming. So with the five minutes remaining, Combat Woosh, if that wasn't your question, please go ahead and type your question now. Oh, not sad, horrified. Uh, yeah, so now you're misusing the Q&A thread to um, react to things I've said instead of things that I'm supposed to comment on. Honestly, that, that whole coprolith emission thing was the most research I did for this entire article. I did several bits of research, and that was the thing that took me the longest to look up, was finding, finding a rhyming phrase for fifth edition. Hate lift. Is it wise to mix tutorializing tutorializationing with the rest of narration and pacing? I'm, I feel like sometimes people take words that I have said and smash them together into a sentence that they think means something. But then when I read it, I'm really, really like, 
I don't understand the question. Okay. There is no tutorializing is the act of using the game to don't don't clarify. Hate lift is typing. Stop typing. Stop typing. Stop typing. Listen, I'm going to answer why your question's wrong. I don't want to hear why what you think it is yet. If I don't explain it right, then I'll let you re-ask it. But tutorializing is the is using the game content to teach the way the game is played. It's building encounters that teach elements of the game. Um, it's building encounters that provide sort of microcosms for later, you know, challenges and things like that. It's allowing players to fight with one monster in a safe environment before you make them fight, you know, seven of them on a battlefield that where they can take advantage of. It's, okay, tutorializing is a way of structuring and designing a game. It is not just explaining shit, okay? So, tutorializing you're running a game, but you have carefully designed that game to teach the, teach the players how the game should be played um, as they're playing the game. Since you're running a game, you must be using proper narration and pacing, otherwise you're running a shit game. And then this question becomes, is it right, wise to ever run a shit game? And the answer there is no. You should always run a good game. Okay? So the idea of, you know, should you mix... Now, if you're using exposition where you outright explain game mechanics to the players, um, then no, you should not bury that in your narration and your pacing. You should merely accept that exposition is to narration and pacing what a crowbar is to a kneecap and at least try to get it done as quickly as possible. That means you have made the decision that using exposition is the best way to convey information. In this case, stopping the action to say, now, when you attempt to do something in D&D, you will be asked to make a strength or a, an ability check, and then you will roll this round-looking die and add this number and maybe some other numbers, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, that's exposition. That's you explaining shit. Okay, that is going to wreck your narration and pacing. But if you try to bury it in the game, like you have some, some wizened, you, I need someone to help me lift my luggage. A wise adventurer would know that they would need to pick up their D20 and roll it and then add their strength score. Like, that's just, like, bullshit, okay? That, you can't do it like that. The exposition is just going to be out there, okay? So... You know, you can't mix the two in. Now, hate lift. Somewhere in all of that shit that I said, proselytes don't cut me off because I know I'm like one minute from the end now. Hate lift. Somewhere in there, did I provide the information you were attempting to get when you threw those words together? Hate lift is typing. More or less, yeah. I win. Yay. Yeah. Okay, I'm good at this. Ah. Okay. Alright, so and that seems to be the last question, and I have a minute left anyway. Uh so with that, I'm gonna
First of all, I'm going to thank everybody who puts up with my shit just to ask questions because I really don't feel like the information you're getting out of me is worth the crap I hand you all. But nonetheless, you all handle it gamely, so thank you for that. Uh, thanks also for listening in, asking questions, and participating. This article will be getting published immediately, though the proofread alouds uh, will take some time to remaster. Uh, the next article, um, I might have changed slightly what the next article is going to be. And then, of course, next week we have the Tension Dice release. The Tension Dice release will not have a proofread allowed because what is being released for the Tension Dice is essentially a rule book, and I am not going to try and read it aloud in an entertaining way. There is no point. There will be no proofread allowed, and likely... For all future angry hacks, there won't be proofread allowed. I am not reading rule books to you. That's where I draw the line. So thank you all and have a great day.